0: Well, that was weird. I hit my button to switch and it didn't do anything. Good morning everybody. Welcome to the Thursday show. This is going to be a special one. We have Chris Goginas back with us. talking about uh, We're going to talk about estranged parents and how uh, that affects the estranged parent and the child involved. That's going to be a great discussion. But Before we jump into that, welcome to Break the Cycle with DSD. I'm your host, Dwayne. Uh, i not a therapist. I'm an individual much like you who's been through a Tragically complex event. And as a result of that, I've developed some tips and techniques that I had to use to keep me sane that I share with you to help you do the same thing. Get your life back, minimize the damage of the narcissistic ex. And when you have kids, hopefully undo some of that parental alienation, take away the wedge the ex is trying to put in there and get your life back. The other thing I always like to mention is don't go around throwing around mental health diagnoses. Only a licensed professional in a clinical environment can do that. So unless you have something that says that they were diagnosed with that, don't go going out saying, you know, I've diagnosed my ex with NPD, borderline, whatever the heck it is. Don't do that. Learn, what, learn about it. Understand what the, the behavioral patterns are. Learn how to deal with it. But just don't get yourself into extra trouble. If you like what we do here over at DSD, you can support the channel by becoming a channel member over on YouTube. You can do that by going to youtube.com slash dadsurvivingdivorce and look for the join button. And if you want to support in other ways, you can do that over at dadsurvivingdivorce.com. I have, uh, finally, I think the text notification is working and my switcher box is not. That's going to be complicated. So I'll wait on that. Huh, that's going to be... (laughs) That's going to make things a little weird. Anyways, you can do that by, uh, uh, I can't even figure out where it's at because my box isn't working. Anyways, I digress. I'll put links in the description on how you can do that if you're interested in that. The other thing I want to mention is the You Get to Be You series is still going on. Today, Veronica Archer is going to be hosting a live Zoom call to check in with everybody and uh, do a group meeting. If you guys are interested in that, you can sign up for that at com slash Dwayne. I think it's about a little less than halfway through. So on this, let me see if I can, if any of my, this is so weird, guys, because we were just testing all of this stuff and now, <laughs> now nothing is working. This is awesome. Let me, uh, let me do it this way. Hey, good morning, Chris. How are you doing?
1: Good morning, my love. I'm good. How are you?
0: <laughs> Obviously, I'm having technical difficulties because this is so funny because before we started this, I was going through it, pressing the buttons. Everything was working. I go live and now, now I can't. I'm going to have to manually switch everything, which will make it's it gremlins. more complicated.
1: <laughs> it's gremlins. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: It's so, it's so annoying. Let's see. I'll try that. Well, that one didn't work either.
1: You're figuring that out. So- I am a licensed professional counselor, but this is not therapy. If you need a therapist, please go to Google, type in psychology today. You will find therapists there. The views and opinions stated herein are mine and mine alone or Dwayne and mine's alone. They do not represent the ACA, the APA, or any other therapist for that matter. Boom, shakalaka done. Okay.
0: Awesome. Thank you. So I'm going to, let's see, I'm going to try. I am about ready to give up on my, that is so weird. I've never had this happen. So this is annoying. So let me go to, now I have to do this. I got to, okay, I'll do large. I'll do us large. There we go. Now we're side by side. God, maybe I'll just leave it on this and not switch it around. That's, that's, that's outstanding. So, uh, for anybody on my channel who's been, you know, paying attention, I've been talking about this, uh, since I think the weekend, um, that, uh, I got a question about a, per- a person from our disc, my discord was having issues trying to reconcile how to repair, or even if they should repair the relationship with their estranged parents and uh, ways to go forward on that. And I'm like, you know what? Instead of me just hitting that, I figured I'd ask Chris to come back on because that's, it's a very complex issue. There's a lot going on there and I figured it would be a good topic to, uh, to talk about. So yeah, so, yeah, go for it.
1: There's so much to this because... Okay. If you came from an abusive family of origin, if there was abuse with the family of origin, we get this inner child that drives our every action, it drives our every desire, it drives our every maladaptive way of thinking, right? So when we grow up, if we don't take care of this original wound over here, we end up having kids of our own. And then our inner child desperately wants the parent that our parent to be the perfect parent that we never had to our kids to like our their grandkids, right? But here's the thing. If they were abusive to you, they're going to be abusive to your kids. Why in the hell do you want these people around your children? You don't. You absolutely don't. And what's really going on, it's your inner child desperately wanting that childhood that you never got. Yeah. Does that make sense?
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean and you know, I struggled. I mean, this is what this is what was interesting about this is I've I've had this this same struggle. You know, I mean, I was estranged with my my dad for, a, well, basically because of parental alienation and him being played against himself. And then later, you know, when I realized that that was, that I had been lied to, mm-hmm. then it got to the point where I'm like trying to set up boundaries with my own mom. And that that turned into a train wreck, you know, say no or try to to set up some healthy boundaries with a narcissistic person and you're going to pay for it. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I I think the one thing is, so, so this person and, and just, I mean, and typically I think everyone's story is very similar on this, but, but for a little bit of background on this, this person has some kids and they haven't really had a relationship with their, with their, their father for, I think it's like, you know, a decade or maybe like a little bit over that. And they're like, well, what can I do to try to fix that?
1: No, no, you can't fix, it. you you did not break it, you cannot fix it. So let me make this perfectly clear. Parents in this type of situation that are abusive, they, they're not adults. They don't act like adults and they put the onus on the child to fix this screwed up relationship. Does that right. make sense? Oh yeah. It is not the kid's job to fix this. It's the narcissist's job to fix it and guess what? They're not going to. They're never going to. But the child is given this parentified feeling. In other words, they're being forced to be the adult in the situation, even though they're the kid. So they've been parentified that it's their fault that they have to repair the relationship, that they have to fix it, that they have to do something. You did not break them. You cannot fix them. This is a very codependent relationship at this point. It's not your job to fix them. It's not your job. It's not your job.
0: Yeah, I, uh, um, let me flip this around. You know, I think, that, I think you have to ask yourself, I mean, you have to really look at it in reality and look at it and say, okay, is there anything there that's even that can be salvaged? Like, for instance, for decades, I thought that my, and I didn't know about narcissism or anything like that, but I knew that my, my dad was a, a difficult person now it's just now my system is just deciding to switch on its own that's great Uh, (laughs) that's just awesome but anyways what i was trying to say is you know for the longest time um, i thought my dad was the problem but i really still wanted a relationship with him so i was trying to trying to to facilitate that the problem is is i was still under the influence of the my mom So inadvertently, I was jabbing my dad in the eye. I was saying things that was really hurtful for him, that was really triggering. I didn't know it. And it wasn't really until later whenever I realized, I mean, one day I was just, you know, maybe a couple years into this, actually might even been a little bit longer than that, where I had this epiphany where I'm just like, holy crap. My ex is my mom. I'm my dad. What my ex is doing to my kids is exactly the same thing. And I, and it was really weird because it was like all this time I had a lifetime, you know, 40 plus years where I didn't understand why my dad did what he was doing. You know, like I didn't understand why he kept me at arm's length. I didn't understand why I felt like he wrote me off because he basically did. And I couldn't understand it. I'm like, well, how does a parent do that? Right. So I dealt with the abandonment issues and, and why doesn't my daddy love me? Uh, I mean, even up into adulthood. And it was like, I had this epiphany one day and I'm like, holy crap he, I'm sitting here contemplating doing the same things he did, right? I'm sitting here thinking about how do I just put up a wall to protect myself from my kids? And I was just, it was like a whole, it was like a, it was a holy shit moment. I was just like, Oh my God. And I remember calling him and, uh, and just saying, I'm like, look, I got to talk to you about this. And he actually broke down. Cause he's like, you know, I tried, oh, I gotta be careful how I, you know, so I don't lose it. But he's like, I, 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 I tried everything I knew, And I couldn't break through with you. And I'm like, dude, I get it. You did you didn't do anything wrong. I mean, it's like the only reason I think I have a better skill set in dealing with my own kids is because I'm looking at what my dad did with me. And a lot of times in my mind, I'm like, okay, what did he do that didn't work? That that just made it worse. And I tried to actively not do that. I mean, I think that's why I'm in a better position. But it's incredibly tough. You know, I mean, it's so I mean, I guess getting back to my point is is you you really have to decide. Is there anything there worth salvaging?
1: Exactly. And in some of the cases now, in the case that I was talking about, it was both parents were abusive. Right. You know, it's like they're neither one of them. You want nothing to do with either one of them. In a case where one parent was abusive and the other one was being alienated, right? Mm -hmm. And being forced to kind of build that wall between themselves and their kids. It is incredibly painful for the non-abusive parent to watch the children be alienated and watch the narcissist basically turn their child against them. And usually this is done during the teenage years when it's really easy to manipulate the kids because teenagers, I hate to say it, teenagers are very, um, God love them, they don't think about the future. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, true. Let's put it that way. And so when a narcissistic parent comes in and goes, oh, I don't have any rules. Oh, you can, you, I'll let you stay out until three o'clock in the morning. I'll let you do drugs. I'll let you do this. I'll let you do that. Of course the teenager is going to be like, Woo-hoo, partay, you know, and go off right, with
0: right.
1: the parent. So then the alienated parent starts doing, it's kind of like clawing at sand, trying so hard to keep that child clawing at sand, clawing at sand. And what I tell my clients that are going through this, I'm like, you've got to stop because the more you claw at the sand, the more ammo you're giving to the narcissist and the more the child is not going to understand. So you've got to stop clawing at the sand and trying to save the relationship. At this point, there is no relationship. So what you have to do is you have to start detaching. You have to start thinking of yourself not as the dad, not as the mom but okay as a concerned human being that will be here for this person should they ever pull their head out of their ass
0: <laughs> you know what? I, I i like what you said at the last end of it because i think that's really the key is cuz cuz you can go too far and i think this is kind of what happened with in my situation with my dad is that you know he's like okay i'm out and i'm i'm putting up this wall to protect myself and there really wasn't a good way to get through and and i can look back i mean when i when I went in the military, I was overseas for three years. Uh, like right before I came back, I came back to the United States. I hung out for a month and I actually stayed with my dad. And it was our relationship was kind of rebuilding, right? So he was still open to it. And then when we moved, we ended up moving almost, pretty close to my hometown, not exactly where I wanted to go. But, but anyways, the thing is, is that I didn't understand the dynamics of what was going on. And I, what I would do is like, if we would do stuff, it's like, okay, I would give them attention. And then I would give my, my ex's parents lived in the same town. So, you know, for a while anyways. So it's like, if we came into town, it's like, we wouldn't mix and match. It's like, okay, if we're going to see your family, then that's what we're going to do. Even though they're in the same town, we're not going to be doing this back and forth thing. Um, and I, there was this one time where he was like, he just assumed that we were going to do like Thanksgiving with him, but he never said it. And then we made plans. And I think, I think that was one of those things where he just, it really hurt him and it yeah. took our, our relationship for a nosedive. And I didn't, you know, I didn't know, you know, I mean, it's, 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 it's really, I mean, it's just, it's a really, God, it's just so destructive. All this stuff, you know, it is. It's it amazing is. the damage that happens.
1: Exactly. And the problem of it is, though, is that when somebody's involved in, with a narcissist and they have not worked on their stuff, Right. You know, I'm sure your dad never went to therapy, got it all figured out. Oh, no. Out.
0: No, no. Yeah. The
1: couch, talked about his mother. You know, none of that. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> so, but when somebody hasn't figured it out, they have a whole bunch of maladaptive ways of communication, like mind reading.
0: Yeah. Like, well, you should
1: have known. You should have known that I wanted you to come to Thanksgiving. Well, how in the hell would you have known if he had not actually said it?
0: Right. Exactly.
1: You know? Yeah. So, it's. It's hard on the kid that wants the relationship with the parent because the parent is damaged goods. They are. They don't have good communication skills. They don't take personal responsibility for their own actions or inactions. They are not introspective. They don't. Uh, uh, they're not working on themselves. That's that's basically. If you're trying to rebuild a relationship with the non-abusive parent, you've got to understand they've got some dysfunctions going on of their own. And if they're not willing to address them, it's never going to work.
0: You know, it's, it's interesting you say that because I know for me, I know we talked about this last time up until my marriage is falling apart. I was not a big fan of therapy. You know, I mean, part of it, It was my career for the longest time going to a therapist was a risk factor, right? I mean, if you were, if you had mental health, potentially mental health issues, well, then that potentially means that you're not safe enough to have access to certain information. So we'll just take your rights away from that or your access away from that, which then means your career's over. So, and it was really interesting because I know for me that, that feeling isolated, not being able to do it was very stressful, and actually made it worse. Um, I don't know I'm getting off track, but what I mean is is there's a lot of people, especially men, I think, that are, you know, I mean, it, it's like there's that stigma that, okay, if you're a man and you're going to therapy and you're lying on the couch, well, then you're, you know, you're not strong, you know, you're weak, you know, you're all these different things, which in my opinion now, guys, that's a bunch of horse crap. I mean, the thing, the thing is, is you need to be able to get your life back and use whatever damn tools available to you to do it. But, yeah, s- but some absolutely. people won't.
1: Well, so here's the thing. It's, <laughs> it's a two-pronged thing. So one is the stigma, yes. I think that in the past there's been a great stigma, and especially coming from a military background. You know, yeah, yeah. it's no, 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 no. But the funny paradoxical thing of it is, is that the people who are in therapy are more stable than the ones who are fucked up and dysfunctional and refusing to go to therapy. Just-
0: well, and I just just to clarify for anybody who doesn't know, I mean, the military, at least the Air Force, has has pivoted that, right? I mean, I think they finally realized, especially with the rise of suicides in the military, it's a big problem. Uh, I mean, like for instance, we have every year we all have to, everyone in the Air Force, government civilian, military, con- well, I don't know about contracts, but probably they do have to do, have to do mandatory training, and part of that is suicide prevention, where they even run video scenarios of how to recognize the warning signs you know what you're supposed to do if someone's saying things to 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 do it or you know whatever they're if they're throwing the hints out there what we're supposed to do like me as a manager what i'm supposed to do me as a peer what i'm supposed to do uh and they put the resources out there and there's a big emphasis emphasis now about getting help you know like, like you'll have commanders and generals who will say you know hey it's it's not weak to to know recognize you have a problem and do that so the the times are changing so that's i mean that's outstanding right i mean because i know so many people i mean like in the old days you'll hear stories where someone will like they're having a problem they go they go to uh you know they bring it up they get them the help and then they boot them out of the service because it's like okay well we fixed you but you're broken and now your career's over and it's just like you know you know, someone's looking at that. I mean, I guess technically, and I know we're getting a little off topic, but I guess technically, if you get to the point where you're thinking about ending it or doing something drastic, you know, you might as well try to get yourself fixed. And if there's a consequences and you still have life after it, but I know the thought process on it. It's easy to get on that thing. It's like, well, if I do something, my family's taken care of. So I don't want to risk everything. You know what I mean? It's like, there's so many ways that you can just tear yourself apart on that
1: what i tell people suicide is a permanent solution to a very temporary problem trust me on that one
0: so I, yeah, the
1: older generation like you know like my dad because he right. was in his what 80s when he finally kicked off you know you know he was a marine and it was i'm never wrong i'm only temporarily mistaken that kind of thing right <laughs> you know yeah, that's so funny
0: <laughs> temporarily that, mistaken
1: with the older generation about getting help because they do perceive it as a weakness. And here's the other thing you need to realize, though. Abusers play on that. Oh, oh well, you absolutely. Have- oh, you're weak. If you oh. tell anybody about our stuff, you're spreading our dirty laundry. It needs to be a secret. You can't tell anybody. This needs to be quiet, da 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 That's what abusers do, and they, they play on that. And so they play on not getting help, not airing their abuse, you know, they don't want to be found out. So that's part of the reason why they don't want therapy going on. But if you are thinking about reconciling with a parent, you have to be very, very careful as to the reasons why. Why are you doing this? What's the reasoning? What, what are you thinking? You know, is it your inner child that wants to reconcile? Or is this really, oh, great, okay, mom or dad is finally seeing the light, getting help. And, you know, maybe we can have a relationship. That's great if they're in therapy or willing to go to therapy. If they're not willing to go to therapy, if they're not willing to work on themselves, stick a fork in it, you're done, move on with your life.
0: I think, you know, it's a great point. And I think one of the the hard parts on it is you get that, you get in that mode of guilt. I mean, okay, so I'll talk about my situation for a moment. When I first set up Boundaries with my own mom, I was like, and, and, and I hadn't, I mean, I'm effectively no contact. I've find it's finally hit the point where I'm just like, okay, I'm done. But I have felt incredibly guilty about it. I'm like, man, that's my mom. You know, I mean, I, I don't really want it to be like this. How do I, you know, what, how do I have a good boundary, but still keep things going? And we were talking about this offline. Fortunately, I guess in my situation is, is as I'm trying to reconcile that, the fact that I was not, living, I guess, in her frame, so to speak, I was just getting pummeled. I mean, it was like, I was getting these nasty, snarky emails. I was getting these emails like, you know, trying, I mean, just, just really vicious shit. Like, comparing me to my ex, right? I mean, at the time I was so angry with her and it's like, oh, well, you're being exactly like your ex. And I'm like, what? You know, I mean, that's a minor thing, but but just just really, I mean, at one point, because they had helped me uh, with uh, funding the divorce, it's like, well, you need to pay us back all that money right now. I want to know the point. I mean, just all this crazy stuff. And I was still I'm like, OK, how do I how do I reconcile that? And that actually that part, the really nasty stuff happened later. What what ultimately was a problem on, on my situation is I was still trying to figure out how to do it. Right. I'm like, well, the kids need to be able to see their grandma. So, you know, I'll, I know, I know. And but so I was facilitating it. Right. So that we had a Christmas break and I took the kids and let them stay up there with her for like half of it. They came back and and even then I'm like, okay, you know, things are getting better. It's like, Hey, I'm going to have them for spring break. You know, maybe, you know, maybe you could do that again too. And, I, and I'm like, okay, you know, I'm kind of like, all right, you know, I'm trying to set some boundaries, things are going better. And then what had happened is that the kids' birthdays came up around and two of them had birthdays in birthdays in February. And I get a text. I'm actually, it was sitting at work, working on a weekend. And I get a text from mom saying, Hey, just, you know, you're, you know, since you're so complicated and difficult, we have just decided to hang out um, with your... Oh, I almost said her name. With your ex, and uh, we're at her house now, and whatever. And I was just like... I mean, like you, just, like what you're doing right now, that's what I did. I was just... I was sitting there looking at the text, and I'm like... I was just like, what? I mean, and this is a person that when the divorce was going on, my ex was was cruel to my mom. I mean, just everything that... that my ex knew about, you know, we were together for two decades, a little over two decades. You know, that's all, and at the time, it was almost half my entire life was on this planet had been with this person. And every secret little detail that had been shared with her for 20 years, she was using to just try to stab my mom in the heart. And she was doing a pretty good job at it. Yeah. But because I didn't conform, I didn't bend the knee to what they wanted, they, yeah. that, they raced that away. And I'm thinking, oh my God, the person who I've confided in is now hanging out with the enemy. Yep. And what yeah, I, look. what I did is I, I'm like, you know what, enjoy your new life with, uh, with my, with my ex don't, e- I don't ever want to see, hear from you again. You know, on my mind, I'm like, look, you're dealing with the ex. So I don't need to facilitate you seeing the kids. Cause obviously you can do it with her. And I wrote her off and it's yeah. been a couple of years now. And it was, well, when that happened, that was like, like the, it was almost like the universe saying, Hey, dumbass, look at the reality. You're trying to make something work that's dangerous for you. So yeah. here's a little taste of, you know, just if you're not clear enough, this is a situation.
1: Well, and here's what you need to keep in mind. Any relationship, any relationship that makes you feel fearful, hm. obligated, or guilty. Yep. Fog. That is the abuse. Fog. Fear, obligation, and guilt. So a healthy relationship does not have any of that. You don't feel fearful talking to them or telling them something. You don't feel obligated to them. Oh, my God, I have to take care of them when they're in the old age home. Oh, my God, I have to do this for them. Oh, my God, I need to buy their mortgage. Oh, my God, I need to Whatever. Right. Right. Also, don't feel guilty. There's no guilt. You know, there's no manipulation. There's no control. Guilt is brought about by somebody making you feeling obligated. That's really what it is. So if your relationship to anybody is based on fear, obligation or guilt, y'all need to take a real solid look at that and go, what the fuck, what is this really about? Seriously? It's like, why am I in this relationship? Because if it's fearful, if it's obligated or if it's feeling guilty, mm -mm, that's not a healthy relationship.
0: So let me ask you this part. So, cause this is a situation that, that, um, I do have, right? So now, so now technically what's happened is they, uh, for the longest time. I mean, I, and I knew it was going to degrade, right? I mean, I knew when this happened, I'm like, I know my ex, I know that this, this partnership in hell is not going to, is not going to last. And, and I wasn't looking at it like, okay, when it falls apart and you come crawling back to me, I was like, I'm done. You know, I mean, but the, the flip side to it is, is so every once in a while I have my kids either say, I've had one, my middle daughter at one point when she was trying to poke me in the eye, it's like, well, why are you having such a problem? It's you, you know, you know, mommy and, and, and grandma got back together and they're friends. Why, you know, what's, you know, basically trying to use that as a wedge point. And then I had a, my other, my other youngest child would ask just like, well, why? You know, and I mean, and I, so how would you recommend dealing? I mean, I know what I did, but how would you, what would be the right way? What would be the the book way?
1: (laughs) The truth. You you always stick with the truth. Always, 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 always. You always stick with the truth. And the thing that the, the red flag that came up for me is, hmm, wonder what the ex has been saying to the kids to provoke them to say this to you.
0: Yeah, that's true. And, and. I mean, but it could be both ways, right? I mean, because a curious mind, and my kids, uh, let's see, I mean, right now they're 21, 19, and 15. So this all happened within the last, oh my God, it's probably been four years. So a little bit older, so a little bit more in intellect to go on there to try to, to try to discern stuff. But yeah, I think you're right. And, and, it's, and it's, I think what people don't realize is it's not necessarily Machiavellian, you know, <laughs> where the ex is sitting there just overtly doing it. It's always subtle. It's just oh, yeah. so sad your dad is so so you know he's so black and white thinking and just can't be yeah. can't ju- you know whatever. I mean it's just it's just the subtle little it yeah. doesn't even look like a put down. It almost is like a backhanded compliment. But so
1: what I do is I encourage the parents to be honest, you know, not name call, not you know anything like that. You you don't need to pathologize it. You just say there's not a good relationship there. It's not healthy and I choose not to be around it.
0: Yeah. And that actually, that's what I did. I mean, yeah, good, I was, that's what I was going to clarify that. Cause when you said to be, to be honest, I'm like, uh, well, uh, I could be completely honest. Oh God. You know what I did? I, I did actually do that once with my youngest and, uh, I, it was bad. I, and I, this was recently, I kind of channeled that inner, inner anger. Cause normally it doesn't, I, it's one of those things where now stuff happens and it's like, if it's a triggering thing, it's like, I can see it and I'm like, yeah, whatever. I'm just nah, whatever. But every once in a while, every once in a while, the moment creeps up to where it's like, I'll just open that door. Yeah, really
1: important (laughs) not to – you don't want to involve them in the nastiness of it. You just want to give them the basic overview and the boundary. That's really what it is. It's like, it's a dysfunctional relationship. I am having strong boundaries here. Here's where I say no. I'm not going to have a relationship with them. When you're older, we can talk about it. The other thing you can do with the older kids, and I strongly recommend this, oh, you know, here's a great book you might want to read. The Object of My Affection is in My Reflection, Coping with the Narcissist by Raquel Lerner. I think you'll find it really interesting.
0: You get, you'll have to give me the link of that that after the show, and I'll put it in the show notes so people can check it out. So
1: Yeah, what it does is Roquel goes, breaks it down. She goes through the overt, the covert, the communal, right? Mm-hmm. And several parents that I've dealt with when they've handed this book to their kid, the kid will read it and go, Oh wow. Yeah. That's mom. That's dad. That's, you know, they like get it. Does that make sense?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely.
1: Without the parent actually saying your mom's a narcissist, your dad's a narcissist, blah, blah, blah. blah, blah. It's like, well, you know, you're going to need this in life, kid, so you can protect yourself from these types of people because they'll be in yep. business and they'll be in your school and they'll be in blah, 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 blah.
0: Give, give them the tools so that they recognize it themselves.
1: Exactly. I do Therefore, have... The X is going to come unglued because now they've got the ammunition or the tools yeah. to be able to go, oh. Right. Do you see where I'm going with that? Oh, but absolutely.
0: Well. Absolutely. There's a so comment that came in. Let me grab this. It starts out with saying if it if it'll pop up. My computer's doing weird stuff. Oh, there it goes. Okay, so it says, uh, Dwayne, I don't have kids, but my family, my, my family's original maternal MPD abuse is being continued amongst, amongst my three siblings, like my mother uh, gave her the playbook. Question, should I give up? Uh, you know, what would yeah. you... Yeah. Short answer. <laughs>
1: Short answer, yes. Here's the thing. When you've got siblings that are still playing... The playbook. They're still trying to do all of the same BS. You, you just don't play. The only way to win is to not play. Unless caveat: if they recognize there's a problem and they want to get better and they want to go to therapy, then okay, yeah. But other than that, hell to the no! Get the hell out! Bye bye.
0: I think yeah. that I think the key on that is, you know, and the sad part. Well, I say I think the key on it is looking at it and saying, okay, is there anything positive that can come out of this? Is it more destructive than constructive? And,
1: and you got to be very careful going to therapy with them. So let's say that they suddenly, yeah. you know, oh, I've had an epiphany. We need to go to therapy. If they use anything in therapy against you, be done.
0: No, that's a good point. Yeah. And you know, the, the really annoying part, well, there's a lot, there's a lot of annoying parts, but one of the things that I found really annoying in my own personal story is, it's like you can see everything's laid out in front of you. It's right there. You see it. You, you're you're starting to recognize it, but you have that self doubt, and you're and you don't believe yourself. So you second guess. It's like I, I was using. I, maybe we was talking to you, or maybe I was at a different show. I was talking about the analogy of uh, touching the hot pan. You know, yeah. normal people, you touch the hot pan, you're like, "Oh crap, that's hot! I need to do something about it." But I swear to God, I felt like I would touch it, I burned myself, and it's like, "Oh, well, maybe it's not really hot." Oh, I burned myself again. I mean, and it's like, it it's weird that that people have to, you have to convince yourself what the reality is. And and the and the fact is, is I can't be, you know, I I can try to help you. Obviously, you know, in your in your practice can help, but at the end of the day, it's not until the the switch flips in your own head to where you go. Okay, I get it now. I get it. I I understand this person is dangerous and yeah.
1: It's the gaslighting. It's the it's the intermittent positive rewards. It's the oh, trauma yeah. bonding. It's, you know, all of those things make us doubt ourselves and that is their goal is to make their target not trust reality. That's why we keep putting our hand on the hot plate, i.e., going back to the abuser, right. trying to get comfort from an abuser, wanting a relationship with an abuser. You know, it's that it's that not trusting what we know right in front of us. And it's also the denial. Denial is deadly. I cannot stress that enough. This is the reason why men and women end up dead in domestic violence relationships because they're in denial. And it takes seven times on average leaving before it sticks because they keep going. No, 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 It's going to get better. No, 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 no. It'll be different this time. No, 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 no. But there's. But when it's good, it's so good. Well, yeah, that's because of the trauma bonding that's because of all the dopamine serotonin oxytocins etc when it's good it's great but when it's bad it's deadly
0: you know it's funny you mentioned that i hadn't thought i didn't realize there was a a statistic for that but i don't i think probably seven was about what it took me keep going back to the to the plate and getting whacked again before i finally was like okay this is just all right i'm getting it um and i mean in mine i mean i wasn't being i mean it wasn't it was emotional abuse. It wasn't physical, but I can see, you know, I mean, it's, and it's really interesting and it's sad that, you know, somebody who hasn't been through this doesn't get it right. They're like, Hey, if someone, if someone hits you or someone is, is really bad, you leave. And it's like, no, it's a hell of a lot more complicated than that.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, and it's not, (laughs) the worst part of it is is when they don't hit you and it's all verbal and emotional because then people are like, well, but he or she is so great. You know, they're such charming, wonderful people, but they're not seeing what's going on behind closed doors. And yeah, really yeah. The, this whole thing is self esteem. When you love yourself, you trust yourself. And if you trust yourself, when somebody comes in and gives you a gaslight story, I can't tell you the number of times i turned around to like total, you know, people I'm not related to, Right. And you know, they're trying to give me some bull- and not clients either. And they're trying to give me some bullshit story and I'll look at them and I'm going, I looked at them and I said, you're gaslighting me and you need to stop that shit right the fuck now. Cause I see right through you.
0: <laughs> and their eyes are like, Oh shit. <laughs>
1: oh shit, Yeah. Because I called them on it. So yeah, it's self-esteem. When you've got good self-esteem, you have certainty. When you have certainty, no one can knock you off of that base of self-esteem.
0: You know, and the, the interesting part about this, you know, I, People are like, oh, I attract or I'm, all I'm around is narcissists and, you know, everyone's a narcissist or whatever. And and it's like what you just said is is really the key, I think, because it's like what happens is it's not that, that you change and these people still don't come into your sphere of influence, but the difference is. Is when they walk in, you recognize it, and you put up a boundary, and you say, "I'm not putting up with this." Or, you know, at the if you don't go the complete route, you just went, you'll you'll at least be like you'll maybe you'll play because I've done this. I'll be like polite, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, I'm never talking to this person again. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not doing anything with them. You know, I mean, I'll be I'll be civil, but uh, it's like, nope, I don't want that crap in my life. And I think that's the key is whenever your self esteem does go up and your healthy boundaries goes up, it's not that. The people, you know, people will say, you know, narcs detect uh, weak people. Well, they test what they do is they detect it by by coming like that situation you said someone else would come up, they'd be gaslighting you and whatever, but you would still allow them into your frame, you'd still allow them to come into your life. And then they're like, oh, okay, here's a target, right? I mean, I'm sure when you do that, they like, oh, pff, you know, you're just an ass and turned around and walked away and made some excuse <laughs> to, 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 to try to smear or shame you and then moved on.
1: Right, exactly. And I, I'm sorry. I wear that badge with honor. It's like, oh, great. So a narcissist is calling me a bitch? Fucking huzzah.
0: <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: that's a medal for my wreck. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's funny. You know, I mean, it's – I mean I, – I, 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 go ahead.
1: It is. It, it is self-esteem. When your self-esteem comes up, you no longer put up with bullshit. You no longer put up with gaslighting, lying, rewriting history, manipulation, controlled tactics – you just don't put up with it, and when you see it, you're just like, mm, yeah, mm-mm, no, mm-mm, no, ain't, ain't nobody got time for that. Mm-mm.
0: You know, you know, so, yeah. No, I would say the the hard part with that is, I think it's. I mean, it's easier when it's not family or it's or it's not a person like. Well, we were talking about this before we started. How you know society is like you know respect your parents and and there's all these things in there. So there's like that extra guilt on there. So it's so easy to say to say, well, but it's my mom. Well, their excuse excuse, excuse, and you still allow it into your life.
1: Okay, so here's two things I want you to remember. The one thing I've heard abusers use more than anything is the Bible, which pisses me right the hell off. So what they do is they do the whole, oh, honor thy mother and father. And the very next line, if you frickin' read the damn thing, which I'm pretty sure they don't, is parents, do not bring your children to anger. It's a two-way street. Yeah, so I, that's one thing. The other thing that you know I get is, or that I hear from abusers is, well, I'm the elder, I'm the parent, I should be respected, I should be ba ba blah, blah 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 blah. Again, if there is fear, if there is obligation, or if there is guilt in this relationship, and if there is no respect coming from the parent to the child, why the hell should the child be showing respect to this elder who's an abusive pos?
0: Well, and I think the other aspect of this that people people miss is if you ignore that to try to have a relationship or like a, like we were talking about before the original story on this is where the person was saying, well, you know, I want, they want the, they want the grandparents involved. It's like you're normalizing the behavior, right? I mean, if you're not saying, if you're not putting your foot down, I mean, and I know it can go both ways, right? Because it can be used against you and say, oh, well, you're just, you know, anybody that can just, you know, discard their parents or whatever is a bad person. And I had to, I mean, I dealt with that guilt myself, but at the same time, it's like, you know what? I don't want to show my own kids that I think that this behavior is appropriate.
1: Exactly. And here's the question to ask yourself. If you were not related to these people, Would you have anything to do with them?
0: That is, I mean, that is an outstanding point. Mm -hmm. And And
1: usually the answer is no. Usually when I say, look, if you are not related to this person or these people, would you have anything to do with them based on how they've treated you? The answer is a resounding no. And then I look at them and go act accordingly.
0: It's, and I I would imagine when you have clients on that, they probably just look like they're crushed because they don't, well, you know what it is? It's like, you don't want to give up. Right. I mean, you don't want to, it's like, no, it can get better. It can b- get better. No, nope.
1: nope, They can't. They won't. They won't trust me on this one. They don't. And the, the thing that needs to be addressed then is your original wound. How old are you feeling when you desperately want these, these people in your kids' lives? Because here's the deal. Oh,
0: wow, good point.
1: Narcissists will treat children somewhat. Okay. Until they start getting their own personality. As soon yeah. as the kid has their own personality or is a burden on them in any way, shape or form, then they start abusing the kid. As long as the kid is making the narcissist look good, then they will accept and love the children. The second the child doesn't, they will reject the child. Do you really want that kid to go through that cycle of I love you, I love you, I love you, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you, I love you, I love you, I love you, oh, you, yeah. I, hate you I hate you? Hell no, you don't. So why the hell do you want these people in your children's lives? You don't.
0: I had this one one experience where uh, my mom had come down. This is before all this stuff happened. I mean, so I was still divorced. And so I don't, you know, my mom's, what is she, you know, 70, 60, whatever. I don't remember how what how old, probably late 60s. And my middle daughter was probably 13 or 14. And they got into this screaming match because it was my mom was trying to get the youngest to pack her bag or do something and it wasn't going right. And it just evolved. And I'm just sitting here watching this going, Oh my God, these two, these people are both, I mean, they're both acting like children. And I'm like, just calm down, be the adult. I mean, there's a way to do it, but not freaking out. And I was, yeah, I didn't, but I still didn't know at that time.
1: So a narcissist, a malignant narcissist and a malignant borderline operate from about the emotional level of between two and four yeah maybe two and six at the most, so you're not dealing with an adult. They may have an adult body they may be walking around saying adult things, but emotionally speaking the the lights are on the engine is running, and ain't nobody at the wheel
0: it's so hard to to realize that and, and the, I mean it sure would be nice if they would still have the vocabulary of a four year old so you could detect them but you know some of them do <laughs> or and some of them have master's degree like my mom is a she has a master 's degree in uh I don't know what the heck it is. Maybe social worker. I don't know what it was, but, but I mean, you know, very articulate. You could use big words, but it's like, yeah, so you, you you don't see the, the little child underneath all of that.
1: Exactly. My dad was an attorney and so he had an incredible vocabulary. He was very intelligent, but emotionally speaking, he was a complete fucking moron. Seriously. I mean, the guy could not recognize emotions or wants or needs of a child or another adult Or anything else. And so he really did operate from a level of about a two year old, he would have temper tantrums, he would have rages, he would have, you know, and then all of us growing up had to be the adults around him. And so finally, you know, when I was 17, I left the house, I was like, y'all are nuts, peace out, have a nice life. Yeah. You know, and then from that point on, I never went back home and I moved as far the fuck away as I possibly could. And that was the best thing I could have done is to have him completely out of my life. You know, I would call once or twice a year, you know, and that was a good enough, good enough. It's not perfect, good enough, you know, relationship for me.
0: Yeah, and that's I mean, that's the thing is you just have to 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 gauge it. I mean, going back, I mean, realistically, the, the person who said the origi- original comment, mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of started this conversation. I mean, it, it's, it, it sounds like, I mean, they've already done everything they can do. You know, you kind of just yeah. have to accept the reality of what you're dealing with. And, right. and I mean, there was more in there. I'm not going to read it, but there was some more in there where there, there was some pretty toxic stuff and, and yeah. just, you know, it's like when things were tried and communication was happening, it just basically devolved into, well, it kind of a narcissistic type rage. I mean,
1: yeah, exactly, because narcissists don't like being called out on their crap, so here's the deal. You want to stay safe from narcissists no matter where they are, or abusers no matter what they are, whether they're, they've got narcissistic personality disorder or borderline personality disorder or whatever. Right. You need a list of deal breakers, and these deal breakers need to apply to literally everyone. So no lying, no cheating, no stealing, no gaslighting, no rewriting history – Uh, No making me be doubting myself. No, these are all deal breakers. And the second someone crosses that line, you need to be super strong and be like, that's a deal breaker. Get out of my life. Just like I did with that person that tried to gaslight me. Right. right. Like, that's a gaslight. (laughs) Survey says (laughs) incorrect response. Kindly F off, you know?
0: (laughs) And I think that's what you have to look at. it. It's like you got to. I mean, okay. I think the benefit for everyone who's been through this. I know it seems anybody in the early stages will be like a benefit. Are you nuts? Is that it gets us an opportunity to really reevaluate our lives, really to take a step back and say, okay, you know what? I've hit almost emotional rock bottom. Do I, as I'm going forward, what am I going to allow into my life? What am I going to choose to let be in here? And you have to look at it and say, no, I'm sorry, but this is, you know, I I've tried, I've tried everything I can possibly try. I see the warning signs And at the end of the day, it's not worth it to me.
1: Exactly. And you shouldn't put up with these behaviors from strangers, from family, from friends. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, this is why a list of deal breakers is really going to keep you safe as long as you honor that list and you do not allow that codependent inner child to allow those to be crossed. And. This is where I think working on the inner child stuff would be really important because it's the little kid inside that desperately wants a parent that cares and that's oh, really Absolutely. What doing. Yeah. So uh, a book called The Inner Child Workbook by Katherine Taylor and it's really good. I highly recommend it. The other one is CPTSD from Surviving to Thriving by Pete Walker and you start working through the trauma, you start working through the abuse, you start working through all of this and you stop the denial. You stop making excuses for them. We have been trained to make excuses for our parents, for our abuser. You know, yeah. my mom, I love her. She was so codependent. She, you know, had issues of her own. But she would always make excuses for my dad. And looking back, I can clearly hear them. But at the time, I was like, oh, okay. You know, okay, dad's stressed out. Oh, Okay, dad's, you know, whatever. And now I'm just like, screw that noise. Dad's an asshole, you know. <laughs> so.
0: That's funny. No, I mean, it's, 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 it's so crazy how hard it is to come to those realizations and, and make, you know, I guess effectively make peace with it. It's like, okay, here's the reality. This is what's really going on. It sucks. It's not what I ever wanted. You know, you, everybody wants the fantasy fa- Not the fantasy, but the, the, the emotionally healthy family.
1: Fever cleaver, and I just yeah, dated yeah. my But, you know, it's like the, the, the you know, the, the stereotypical... Happy mom, happy dad, happy kids, healthy, supportive, loving, kind, gentle. And unfortunately, a lot of us didn't get that. And that's when the inner child kind of comes roaring to the front and goes, but, 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 I want a healthy family. And so we try to force that by having the grandparents be in our kids' lives. But they obviously don't want to be in the kids' lives because they avoided a bunch of really important milestones. Right, right. You told me about that letter. So, and, and, they raged when they got called on it and a normal healthy parent would obviously be there for the important mi- milestones. And two, if they got called on bad behavior, they would be like, oh my God, you're absolutely right. I did this. I hurt you. I'm sorry. This will never happen again. And then they make sure it never happens again. But narcissists are incapable of apologizing or taking personal responsibility. So,
0: well, and the thing on that, I think it's a, it, the the problem is, is that you equate it to thinking like how you think. Right. I, and, I, and I, like for me, it would be like, okay, if someone said that to me, I don't, and I'd, I'd feel guilty. I'd be like, oh crap, you know, man, I, I shouldn't have done that. Uh, you know, I, 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 you feel bad about it. And right. so, and sometimes what'll happen is, is you'll like, you'll reach out to the person basically using a tactic that would use, would work against you to make you have some introspect or, you know, to look at yourself and it doesn't work because they, they don't, right. They don't, they don't want to look at it and they don't want to, they don't feel guilt or they're not at least, well, or at least they're not willing to look at that and try to, to, to fix it.
1: Let me make this perfectly clear. They do not have empathy. They yeah. do not have empathy. You and I have empathy. If we see somebody suffering, we want to help them. We want to fix them or we want to do something to make the world better. Narcissists have no empathy. They enjoy when others are suffering. That's not empathy. That's sadism. Yeah. So do you see where I'm going with that? So we unfortunately, and this is where we get into trouble is that we assume that other people are going to feel the same way we do. Narcissists do not. They are literally missing that empathy cog. They do not love. They do not. They say they do, but uh, love could walk up and do the Watusi with them and they wouldn't recognize it. So, you know, they don't love, they love to manipulate. They love to control. They love to harm. They love to hurt. They need to be right all the time. They are operating on a level of a two year old and they do not and cannot relate to the world the way that healthy, normal people with empathy can, but we keep trying to force a square peg into a round hole. So yeah. And we got to stop that because they are what they are. And we got to stop denying it. we got to stop making excuses for it. And we've got to recognize that if they treated us like doo-doo, they're going to treat our kids like doo-doo. Why the hell would you want these people around your children? Hell to the no. Absolutely yeah. not.
0: I, I think it's, I mean, that's that's really the key. It, ro- it rolls back to choosing what you want in your own environment. But But, I mean, the reality is, and you've talked about it a lot on this, is that we have to take the time to work on ourselves to figure out how in the hell did we get into this mode to where I'm even in this vicious cycle. Like you said, working on the inner child wounds to say, you know, why do I keep going back to the, to the trough to get,
1: to beat up again. Yeah. 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 It's, it's the inner child stuff and it's also the codependency. So, In codependent relationships, it it looks like this usually. We're getting our self-esteem from taking care of somebody or getting our self-esteem from other esteem, other people telling us that we're good and this, that, and the other thing. In a really messed up relationship, it's like this, right? Both of you are doing this and it's really messed up. And if one of you leaves, bam, you fall flat on your face. So a great book for that is The Disease to Please by Harriet Breaker. And it's all about, why are you trying to please the unpleasable? These people are unpleasable. They will never be pleased. It'll never be good enough. This is where we get that inner critic that goes, not good enough, not good enough, not good enough, not good enough. Because our narcissistic or BPD parents, malignant, have been sitting there going, well, it's not good enough. Well, I'm not happy. It's not good enough. Well, I'm not happy. It's not good enough. And it's like, well, okay, your happiness is not my effing problem.
0: (laughs) Well, and I think that the the key on that is, that sets the foundation for going forward, right? I mean, because if, if you're always chasing that validation from mommy or daddy to, to, to love you or validate you or be proud of you or whatever, and you take that into a relationship, you're screwed. Oh, and,
1: absolutely. And that's what we do. So the inner child, here's the scary news. Yeah. Guess who picked your ex-wife, hun? What was that? Guess who picked your ex-wife? Your Me. inner child. <laughs> your inner child.
0: No, so, I, Exactly
1: little you looked outside and went hmm subconsciously none of this is yeah. conscious subconsciously oh here's someone who reminds me of mom or dad whoever the parent was that we had the most conflict with if i can make them love me out here then i prove mom and dad wrong
0: wrong yeah i hear you and, and then I-
1: what in- happening is we just replay the whole wound all over again and then we feel like doo-doo and then you know it never gets fixed and that's why working on the inner child is so vital so that you don't keep subconsciously picking people that remind you of your original abuser
0: you know and the really crazy part on this is like i mean it it's 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 a simple concept it makes absolute sense but it's so freaking scary to look at yourself Right. I mean, to to sit there and say, "Okay, how the hell did I get to this point? Let me open that closet and the monsters start coming out and it's dark and scary. And it's like you have to go through it. You have to go. You have to deal with it, because if you don't, you're trapped.
1: Exactly. And it's this is the conundrum that every single survivor of abuse faces. It's it's the the wounds are scary. The past is scary. The abuse was scary. And what I hear a lot is, but, but, but I don't want to have to feel it all over again. Well, the truth of the matter is you're feeling it all over again every single day because you're living it up here in your head. Exactly. So it's much better to go through it, process it, own it, master it, give it the middle finger, and then be able to chuck it to the side and continue to move forward with your life.
0: Well, and the reality is, is that it, until you do that, well... It's scary until you go through it. It's like once you go through it, you're like, oh, okay. Now it's, I mean, it's almost like watching an old, I don't know, like, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I remember, I remember when that came out and it was super scary and whatever. And I watched, I didn't watch the whole movie, but I, I like zoomed through it. I'm like, it looked like a comedy now, right? I mean, I know things changed and it's gotten a lot worse. But what I mean is it's like, it's like once you, you look at it with a critical eye, I mean, it could be depressing and sad, but you got to process that, deal with it, and then like release it. You know, exactly. be-
1: and realize it's not you. That's that's the thing about the Pete Walker book that I love so much, and I think it's in chapter three. He is saying, put the anger, the shame, the blame, the guilt back onto the abuser, where it effing belongs. It does not belong with us. We did not create this. They did.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I you know the. It, I mean, the reality is, and I, I saw a comment fly by from the person who actually mentioned it, and they're like, oh, my God, I'm having all these aha moments. It, that, yeah, that's great. I mean, it's, it's, and that's, I, I mean, that's kind of what we want for everybody watching our, our videos and stuff is to be able to... Have, so, sometimes it just takes someone to state the obvious for you to go, holy shit. Oh, my God, that's exactly... It's like epiphany and it just it's 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 a mind-blowing and so damn simple at the same time But sometimes it's so hard to get those lines to connect
1: Yes, because we're in the middle of it when you're in the middle of it It is literally like being in the forest and you cannot find your way out because it's so overwhelming dark Mossy scary, whatever yeah. And sometimes you got to have somebody up on a bluff to look down and go. Okay Twenty feet to the right, and there's the
0: path, oh my God, <laughs> just, you know what's so just, funny? I used to it's what you just saying this I had this this vision, not a vision, but I mean this thought when I was going through this, I'm like, oh my God, I feel like I'm in a prison the The door is unlocked. all I have to do is walk over, turn the knob, open it, and walk out, but it's like you're so scared to to even do that it's it's yeah. am, it's amazing, I mean it was kind of annoying when I realized that, but at the same time, it's an amazing thing. I mean, we kind of trap ourselves in this.
1: We absolutely do. And part of it is, is who are we without the trauma?
0: Yeah. That's, yeah, that's right. a good point. You a get- lot of
1: people cling to their trauma as if it's who they are. And when they start prying their fingers off of it, it's frightening because who are they without it? Well, You, I, know, you have yeah. to redefine who you are. You are not the daughter of these people. You are you. So this is, and and I'm going to talk more about this on my show on Sunday.
0: Oh, great. Um, Okay.
1: Talk about detachment and redefining who we are once we get out of these relationships and start working on all of this stuff. Because a lot of times we become the trauma. That's who we are. Well, I'm a victim. I'm this, I'm that, I'm the other thing. And I'm like, no, you're not. (laughs) Yeah,
0: no, I hear you. Let me, uh, uh, because we're starting to run out of time. What I want to do is for people who don't know, and I'm going to, granted my system's having problems, so this might not work, but uh, I'm going to start out with, uh, you can, let's see, is this going to work? Kind of. All right. You can go over to her YouTube channel. Let me fix this real quick like this so you can see it, hopefully. Uh, So it's, we need to talk with Chris Godinez. Uh, that's her YouTube channel. She does have that weekly show on Sundays, so go over, subscribe, though so you get notified on that. She also has a website, com, where she has more information about her books, her appearances, uh, her talking stuff, um, so definitely check that out. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for hanging out with us today and talking about this, and like last time, the hour just went by super quick. Yeah. Um. And I hope this was helpful for people. I mean, this is one of those things. It's, it's another one of those things that I think we're, we either deal with as a parent with a child or we're as a child trying to deal with a parent. It's a very common problem that a lot of people have. So thanks again for for coming and uh, talking about that.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We'll have to do this some more. We were talking about this earlier or the other day about, uh, I think we're going to try to do this like, what is it like maybe once a month we'll try to do a, 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 one of these type of things.
1: Yeah, you, whenever you need me, just let me
0: know. So that's what we're gonna try try to do, um, and I'll try to figure out my my technical issues. So let me—is this gonna just ain't gonna work? I'm this whole <laughs> this whole thing is just just falling apart on me. Hey guys, thank you so much for for hanging out with us today. I I apologize for some of the technical difficulties. I did want the phone lines going. Um, There's a couple of times where even my my mouse would stop working. So it was really uh, a a really weird show. Hopefully I did a professional job and you didn't recognize any of that. Uh, But again, thanks for hanging out with us. Um, I really appreciate your support on this. Uh, Also for the people who are still listening, I do turn this into a podcast. So if you're not familiar with it, uh, immediately after this show, about a, basically an hour, I take this audio down and I upload it to the podcast directories under uh, "Break the Cycle with DSD," so you can find that there. Uh, on that, let me hit. Let me start the outro. <laughs> Maybe one of these days, technology will be my friend. Anyway, so uh, on the podcast thing, if you guys could go over and leave an honest review of what you think about it, I would appreciate it. I saw a couple of people do that the other day, at least on iTunes. Thank you very much for that. Uh, I also want to, let me see if I can do this, thank the channel members. If it'll start, is it going to start? No, I don't know what it's doing. It's not. Oh, no, it's locking up again. Okay. Sorry, I don't know. Hopefully, you can still hear me. My system is doing weird stuff. Now, it's crashed. (laughs) God. Oh, my God. What a pain. Um, Now, I don't even know how to end this because it won't let me do anything. So, on that... Hopefully, you'll have an outstanding rest of your day. Hopefully, this was helpful. Hopefully, I'll figure out how to, how to terminate this live stream since my software has now completely just crashed. <laughs> oh, my God. This is funny. Let me see. Let me try this. All right, guys.